0: 8.48am. You're listening to The Morning Run with Shazana and Shaoning. In about 50 minutes, we have the opening bell and we'll also parse through the earnings results of names like RHB Bank, Alliance Bank, Nestle and more. But in the meantime, we're turning to the land of the rising sun. Now we often hear the phrase, the stock market isn't the economy and Japan is a case in point. Japanese equities have been on a tear over the past months with the Nikkei 225 last week breaching its record high uh, seen in 1989 and it's still climbing. Yes,
1: it's actually up 17% on the year-to-date basis now. The investor enthusiasm, however, belies a much grayer economic picture. Japan fell into technical recession after a surprise 0.4% contraction in GDP in the fourth quarter of last year, following a 2.6% decline in quarter three. While inflation is keeping pace with the central bank's target of 2%, wage growth is lagging behind, which puts pressure on consumers spending. Meanwhile, the Bank of Japan is on the cusp of of reigning in ultra-loose monetary policy and is expected to raise interest
0: rates for the first time since 2007 in the coming months. How are these changes and trends affecting the outlook for the broader Japanese economy? Joining us on the line for analysis on this is Nori Hiro Yamaguchi, Senior Economist with Oxford Economics. Nori, good morning. Thank you very much for joining us today. I'd like to start with the latest Japanese CPI data for January. It came in higher than expected. What contributed to the inflation print outpacing forecasts?
2: Hi, good morning from Tokyo. So the January CPI was actually higher than the consensus in our own estimation. The core inflation was at the 2.2%, which is above the Bank of Japan's inflation target of 2%. And it was totally unpredictable because uh, it's really tricky thing but uh, there was a uh, unannounced uh, uh, changes in the calculation in the service inflation coming mm. from the foreign you know package to, to foreign pack tours so mm. the statistics office hasn't collected the price information for that package tour uh, for 3 years under the covid but now they're recalculated it in the service inflation and which was totally unpredictable and but this impact will continue ahead, so the it you know implies that the inflation could a bit stickier than we had expected. Mm.
1: Okay, so but this still this marks this 22nd straight month that inflation match or exceeded Bank of Japan's two percent target. Uh, in turn has raised expectations that the bank will scrap negative interest rates sooner than later. So why hasn't the BOJ adjusted their ultra loose monetary policy then?
2: Right. So actually they're you know adjusting their policy uh, over last year. But the thing for the BOJ is that they uh, have been controlling the long term yield, not just the short term yields. So first, the Bank of Japan had to get rid of or more precisely, uh, you know, losing that uh, control over the long term year, which they did over the last year, over uh, 12 months. And now it's a time, uh, time for, you know, changing the short term rates.
0: You know, the anticipation for tighter monetary policy comes as Japan is experiencing a technical recession uh, after the uh, Q4 GDP for 2023 shrank by 0.4%. What is dragging down the Japanese economy? Are these temporary or structural factors?
2: Right. So the largest drag was from the domestic consumption. And to me, uh, which is uh, coming after the Inflation, you know, uh, inflation is uh, staying much stronger than the wage growth. So the domestic households are, you know, tighten their prices. And uh, given that the inflation is, you know, coming down from the peak in the early two thousand twenty-three, albeit very gradually, and the wage is uh, staying at, uh, you know, certain increasing at a certain pace. To me, the uh, consumption will uh, get recovered. But uh, under the Japanese labour market system, uh, we need to wait a few months uh, for the, another wage rise to be uh, felt among the workers or households. So it will take time.
1: Okay, I want to go back to monetary policy. Uh, as part of quantitative easing, Japan, BOJ has always been very active in the, buying back its own bonds. Uh, has that come to an end and what implication will it have on
2: uh, JGBs then? So actually, they, it's not yet over. Mm. <laughs> so they are kind of losing their yield cut control uh, policy uh, last year, but they are still committed to uh, by the 9 trillion yen purchase of the JGBs per month. So if <clears throat> they need to get rid of this commitment if they want to heighten uh, their quantitative easing policy, but they didn't do that yet.
0: So if we take a look at the outlook for Japan's GDP growth this year, what would be your expectations? And what are the headwinds or tailwinds that factor into that uh, uh, projection?
2: Right. So for this year, uh, I expect much weaker growth than the last year. Uh, one thing is that, the, you know, the normalization of economic activity is uh, coming to an end. Uh, last year, <laughs> there was a boost from the Increasing in the service consumption, like to, traveling or dining out, and also there was a boost from the normalization in auto manufacturing, uh, which was suffered a lot uh, from the chip shortage happening in 2022. But these idiosyncratic factors for uh, normalization is coming to an end, so uh, the growth will be more like the normal pace for Japan, and. Uh, <clears throat> Tailwind will be that the wage growth this year uh, will help consumption uh, getting out of that being uh, stagnated stagnated for three quarters last year. And the tailwind will be from the uh, overseas uh, because, uh, you know, the economic momentum is likely to slow in the U.S. and Europe, uh, which will uh, deteriorate the demands for the Japanese goods exported to these advanced economies.
1: Can I ask you about your views in terms of one of the structural issues that the Japanese economy faces, which is the aging population?
2: Mm. Have there
1: been attempts by the government to address this?
2: Uh, yeah, uh, Kishida, uh, Prime Minister Kishida is actually very active in this policy. Uh, they are helping the household with uh, more than three uh, children. Uh, they, they made the, uh, you know, to university tuition free for the household with uh three children and something like that, more you know, a uh, subsidiary for the uh you know household with children. So they're doing uh they're taking actions, but the thing is that is it helping or not? And uh, to me, uh, it couldn't be a game changer. It's a larger trend which is uh driving the you know uh, aging society and also the less children. Mm.
0: If we take a look at um, equities, the mixed economic picture for Japan hasn't dampened investor enthusiasm in Japanese equities. What do you think accounts for the disconnect between economic data and stock market sentiment?
2: Right. So the thing is that uh, Japanese companies are not companies uh, doing business in Japan. So Japanese companies, they're operating the operations overseas and the uh, so, which means that the weak yen is really helpful for them. Even if the Japanese export is not benefited a lot from the weak yen, uh, their you know, sales are in the outside of Japan, or the profits outside of Japan, will be boosted by weak yen uh, when, if we evaluated that in yen. And also, there are a lot of tailwinds uh, to Japanese equities. One thing the chip cycle upturns. The other thing is the corporate governance reforms taken by the Tokyo Stock Exchange, which is attracting the eye from the foreign investors. And also there is expectation of the new money fraud coming from the Japanese household under the uh, new uh, Japanese ISE scheme. So there are a lot of tailwinds, which is uh, helping the Japanese equities now.
1: Um, Critical to the Japanese equity performance is, of course, the yen. So what are your views of the yen at the moment?
2: Uh, to me, yen will stay weak uh, this year. Uh, the largest factor for the yen now is that Japan and the yield gaps between Japan and the foreign economy, especially the U.S. And when it comes to the U.S.-Japan yield, yield gaps, mm-hmm. uh, the, it is largely U.S. yields because the Japanese yield uh, doesn't move a lot. And the U.S. yields is likely to stay elevated with uh, sticky inflation there, sticky wages there. So, which means that the yen weakness is uh, will be persistent over this year.
1: But do you see the MOF interfering if it goes above, let's say, one five one against the US dollar? What's the threshold for them? Uh,
2: I don't think they will intervene uh, anytime soon, uh, based on the comments from the Treasury Canada. And uh, for the Ministry of Finance, the most important thing uh, for them is the speed of the yen. Uh, depreciation, not the certain level of that. And the yen has been weak, but very at a gradual pace, so which uh, makes the Ministry of Finance hesitant to make an intervention. <laughs>
0: Nori, thank you so much for speaking with us. That was Nori Hiro Yamaguchi, Senior Economist with Oxford Economics, uh, giving us his take on the outlook for the Japanese economy and really what the impact of the Bank of Japan's anticipated uh, monetary policy uh, change, how that's going to impact the economy moving forward.
1: Yeah, so if you look at 2024, consensus forecast for the Japanese economy is 0.7%. So definitely weakness compared to 0.3%, but it's a global phenomenon. Just Let's look at Malaysia, our GDP is also coming down from the previous year, right? This year's range only 4 to 5% from last year's what, 8% or something? Was it 8%? It was a very high number. Um, and then improving to 1.1%, it- for the following year, the question about Japan is really the equities markets doing so well, and like you say, so many factors driving that. There's clearly a reinterest of this market, especially among foreign investors. Warren Buffett being one of the earliest yep. to notice that trading houses in Japan were so undervalued, and actually they are a proxy towards global growth, right? Mm. Because their most of their earnings don't aren't actually domestic driven, but definitely some things to to watch out for. Maybe we can learn one of which is when there is a change in governance. And And when corporations return money back to shareholders and
0: they are more proactive, investors pay
1: attention. That's what they want. Absolutely. It's
0: 8.59 in the morning. We're heading into the 9 a.m. News Bulletin. After that, we have the opening bell as well as market insights with Carlos Casanova, senior economist with UBP. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM
1: app.